And so I just decided to let the emotions kill me. And I remember in that moment, let's just imagine for a moment, it was my future self coming to my past self. I had this knowing of just let yourself feel it fully. Let it swallow you whole. Let it wash over you. Just completely surrender to it. And as I did, the emotions welled up, the emotions that I thought would like end me. And then they just moved out. And like, I know the emotional work now and the principles and the science and the neuroscience behind how that works. But back then I didn't know that there was a knowing in the moment that maybe for my future self <laughs> was me coming back and being like, actually you can let go. And that became such a foundation of what we teach around that emotional work. Hello, everybody. Nearly six years of Witching Wellness Radio this month. And guess what? It's time for a rebirth. Cue the suspense. I'm so grateful for all the things over the years from me growing as a person to interviewing and growing this show just one small step at a time to now being a top 2% podcast of all podcasts out there. I'll be taking a short break to rebrand, recreate, and begin anew. But don't worry, if you're a fan of Witchy Wellness now, rest assured that even this more empowering show with a new name will be your jam. I will share more in the coming weeks closer to the release, but I wanted to give you guys a heads up now. I want to hear from you guys. What do you want to hear more about? What's your favorite part of the show currently? And where are you on your journey? That last question is the most near and dear to my heart. I have grown on my journey. I realize my listeners have grown on their journey. And what they need now is a little different than what they needed at the beginning of this. So DM me on Instagram, the word rebirth, answering those questions, and you will be entered to win a free spot in my group mastermind program, Sovereign, and six months of my upcoming embodiment membership. This contest will be open until February 5th. So make sure to shoot me a DM with your answers. I just love to spark that conversation with fellow listeners. I've had many messages over the past years of random people reaching out how much this show has affected them. And I'm so grateful to have been of service and to continue to at a deeper devotional level. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I am your host, Lauren Celentani, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way. They are leading the way. And today we're talking all things amplifying pow feminine power through our awareness of our patterns of thought, which is all about what we're here about on Witchy Wellness. Our guest today is Lydia Knight. She is a visionary founder of the She Center is revolutionizing all culture by empowering individuals to move from self-sabotage to self-fulfillment and contribute their highest gifts to humanity. 
Creator of the Empower, Prosper, and Rise programs, Lydia embodies the effective altruism that initiates and that uplift women and children globally. A certified health coach, eating disorder expert, and recent recipient of the Sacred Service Award, Lydia's groundbreaking approach has earned recognition from major outlets like CBS, NBC, Fox News, Yahoo, and beyond. Welcome, Lydia, to the show. It's so wonderful to have you on Witchy Wellness today. Lauren, I am so excited for our incredible conversation and your amazing message in the world. It's so important, more important than ever, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome. I heard off air your daughter got a little jealous, but she'll definitely enjoy your episode, All Things Witchy, here after after we're done. Um, but I want to dive into your own heroine's journey of, you know, I love reading our bios because it's this this great synopsis of all the highlights, you know, the triumphs. But I also love to hear that journey that's continuously ongoing that led you to become this visionary founder of the She Center. What was your own story that led you to all this? Yeah. Thank you for asking. So real talk. I, I don't always share this part of the story, but it, it feels like the day to share. So I'm going to do it. Um, learning how to change my brain, Lauren, saved my life, actually. And I am so grateful for that. And it has made an impact on so many others because of it. And it started from actually a really dark place. And I think it's important to embrace our darkness like we embrace our light and embrace you know the whole journey. So. When I was young, and I know this is, this is kind of intense, so I'm just like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know, share, share this story. So when I was young, maybe like eight years old or so, um, my my eye just hurt, like my, my eye hurts. So I went to my mom, as kids do, and I'm like, oh, mom, my eye hurts. And my mom was like, well, it's because the Satan worshipers drilled needles into your eye, and that's why your eye hurts. Or I would go and be like, oh, you know, like my back hurts a little bit today. And she was like, well, it's because your spine was broken so many times. And this, this was my growing up, Lauren. Like this was the whole origin story of anything that I would bring up, anything that I would feel afraid of. Like it all went back to that there was this group of Satan worshipers that had done this horrible, abusive stuff to me. and that our lives were in danger every single day. And I spent my entire life running from and being scared of this cult that was chasing us, not knowing as a kid that I was actually in a cult myself and that this was the story that I was told. So, I mean, Lauren, I didn't know the truth that what I'd been told was a complete lie until, I mean, after I graduated college, like I was, I was an adult before I found this out. And what was really interesting about, you know, being a cult survivor is that even when you know that something isn't true, like intellectually, you're a hundred percent sure that that never happened. And that was just told to me to scare me. There are still all of the emotions that are associated with it. And we make decisions based off of those emotions. So, you know, 
leaving an abusive marriage later in my life and, you know, being that cult survivor and ending my own eating disorder that very nearly killed me. All of that came back to the tools that were developed that really did save my life. The tools of being able to see the stories that we once believed, even if we know they're not true, but to really be free from them, to be free from them on an emotional level, to be free from them on an action level. And those are the principles of being able to not only rewrite our story moving forward, but rewrite our story going backwards so that we can come from a totally new place has been the key to so many layers of freedom and quite literally saved my life. So that's like the real, real story. <laughs> I hope it's not too much. I was no, like, thank all right, you. I'm just going to like, this is, this is the real stuff. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad that you felt, you know, welcome and open enough and safe enough to share that with us. And I know people listening are gonna, going to resonate. You know, we never know. We get that intuitive hunch like you did to share something more different than you normally do. It's, it's for a reason we can't really understand quite yet. So thank you so much for sharing that. And there's so many places I want to go, but I first want to dive into what beliefs are, because you mentioned this a few times, even though you know it's not true, you can still believe it. And from my perspective and in, in my practice, you know, a belief is just a thought that you think over and over and over and over and over again until it becomes a belief. So I would love to hear your perspective. Like, what did you, we could dive into that little bit that you just side side noted, but I would love to just dive in and explore from there. Yeah, absolutely. Our beliefs determine our entire lives because it's from our beliefs. That's where our actions happen. So often we'll try to change our lives by changing our actions, but it feels like this uphill battle all the time because we've got these competing beliefs with our actions. And if we change on the belief level, on the thought level, then our actions just organically change. So yeah, you're, I mean, totally aligned with that definition of it's a thought that you think over and over that turns into a belief. And the incredible power that we have because of neuroplasticity, because of how our brains can change when we know how to interact with our brains, is that when we think a thought over and over, it turns into a belief but that thought also turns into a habit where we have a habit of thought that's more deeply reinforcing that belief. So it's this cycle. And when we break that cycle and actually change our habit of thought to something that really serves us, to something that uplifts our life instead of hurts our life, when we know how to do that on the habit of thought level, then everything changes. Our beliefs change and our actions change and our outcomes change and our lives and our emotions, they all change But when we start at that level. So it's incredibly powerful. Beautiful. I feel like I, I, I started learning this years ago from Dr. Joe Dispenza. And from what you were talking about, it's a lot of, you know, you create a lot about law of attraction. Um, but, you know, your thoughts really do create your your reality. And I love how you described it and diving into it because everybody's kind of saying the same thing, but their their own way that resonates with people and their own energy and their own language. And for you, I love how you focus on, you know, empowering other women, especially, you know, applying this awareness of that thought. Because for me in my own journey, 
as a woman going through being a millennial woman going through, you know, the career industry, feminism, and like realizing going through what, what I believe now that my thoughts create my reality, realizing that there were some thought patterns I needed to heal around that and being empowered, not from the point of I'm better than or I'm less than a man, but to be to be really on the same level, co-creators of this experience together. Because I think, I don't know why that came up, but it did to me. So I would love to hear your perspective because empowering women really means this cultural. What what does the awakening of this divine feminine in all of us and masculine feel like? Oh, I, I'm so glad that you brought this up. I've been thinking about, I mean, this is so much of the work that we do, but, you know, yeah. especially lately, I've been thinking about there is this global waking up. Yeah. It's really interesting to see like 80% of divorces um, in a lot of states are initiated by women. Mm. And a lot of women are leaving corporations and becoming entrepreneurs. There is a mass exodus of women from structures that no longer serve us, that never did, but now we're in that place of empowerment to walk away. And it's interesting to see, you know, growing up in a cult, there's a real clear, like, you know, programming, right? You know, or there's like this programming, brainwashing, whatever you want to call it. But when you think about it, every single one of us has been exposed to that programming. We've all been raised in a culture that gives us habits of thought and feelings that we didn't choose and that aren't for us or to serve us, but are to uphold like an old system, a patriarchal system. And so, so many of these emotions that we experience like imposter syndrome, or I'm too much, or I'm not good enough. Those are not some flaw of ours that we need to fix. Those are intentional ways that we feel that are the natural organic result of the system and the programming that we've been in. So to be able to reprogram that, to be able to step out of that and really breathe free of it, that's part of the waking up process. And I feel like you said, Lauren, like, you know, being a millennial woman, we're in this interesting generation where we know the way that it was before is not serving us, but we don't quite have a vision for this new world and this new feminine power and this that we're getting to create together. And so I think it's a beautiful thing that we're not only waking up from, but we're creating the vision in the world that we really want to live in, that we should have had all along. And it's a really exciting time. I couldn't agree more. And for me, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, my mom probably broke, she definitely broke the mold in her generation was a corporate woman. And then she decided when she had kids to leave and start her own business. So since I could remember, she's worked out of the house and had, you know, had her own thing. Um, and for me, I've always wanted that, but to, to realize that, but healing those underlying beliefs, like I know so many of these listeners have, you know, we've gone through our own healing journey or on that process. And we have this urge for something more to give back, to create, not only be an entrepreneur and break them all that way, but to, to give back to humanity and hold space for other people. But between where we are now and where that space is, there's a lot of these beliefs that could come up. So I would love to hear kind of maybe your own process too, 
what are some things we can look out for? Because once we know the beliefs, it's kind of, it's easy once we know the system to start changing. But if we're not aware of these beliefs, what what kind of patterns or emotions or things that we can kind of be on alert for to kind of do that deeper dive into what the beliefs are that are keeping us where we are today? Yeah. Oh man, that is such a powerful thing to look at. So first, a note on healing. Healing is so important and it's such a beautiful journey. But and I, I say this with all all the care because that is so important, but we can get stuck in healing. And we can get on this path where we tell ourselves, this is one of these thoughts to be aware of, we tell ourselves that as soon as we heal enough, then we will. As soon as I heal enough, then I'm going to have the confidence to do what I really want to do. As soon as I heal enough, then I'll really be able to be in the relationship or manifest the person in my life that I want. And it ends up putting off a life that we want to live with, well, I need to keep on healing. And part of that is that, especially as women, we are taught to take this radical ownership, which on the one hand can be really powerful. But then on the other hand, when we are taught so often that it's all about you can change it and it's about you and you need to heal something if you feel this way, it can take our focus off of where a lot of times these feelings really come from. So a quick example, there's an interesting study I was reading the other day where in a corporate setting, especially the more that a man talks, the more he's seen as an authority and the more liked he is. And the more a woman talks, the more disliked she is. So when you think about that and this feeling of imposter syndrome, we might think of like, oh, well, I need to heal something in me. So I don't have this feeling when I'm in a meeting, like, you know, I'm not confident enough, but what's actually happening in so, so much of it, of course, part of it is like our own journey and our own thoughts. But part of it is a system that we're in where that it's true that the more that we're talking, we get this vibe back of like, oh, I feel like people are liking me less when I speak more. And that's a sad truth. It doesn't mean that it's going to be that way in every environment. And like, let's totally change that. But the tool that I would say to practice is that every time that we feel like, oh, there's something wrong with me and I need to heal from it, to simply examine where that came from and consider that it might be a systemic issue, that it might be that this was the way that I was taught in my family or at my work or in the world that I live in, and that if there was a shared responsibility between my own actions and thoughts and power and responsibility and that of the system that I'm in, what would that look like? So to actually take a bit less ownership <laughs> and to look at the other reasons why we might feel that way. Interesting. I, I can see, you know, and I think this step further for me would be feeling, what would it feel like to feel so confident that no matter what other people are thinking, I've got, you know, I'm just going to speak my truth and from my heart. Cause I, like you're saying this study and this example, and I'm feeling those emotions. Like I'm like, feel my throat, my chest sh shut down. I'm like, yep, been there, been there. Even, you know, like starting my podcast five years ago was this like same thing. Like I had to practice this skill, but it's, it's a balance of 
what is the quote? Being being in this world, but not of it. Um, it's like the you know age old wisdom. I'm not even sure where that that might be. I don't know. Sounds like a Zen quote. But being being aware of what the current reality is, but also not letting it dictate, you know, your choices, your own beliefs, taking responsibility for your beliefs in a loving way, which is, I think, what you were describing is balancing that from what society and culturally is. So I want to transition um, into that liberating journey of self-love because it's kind of like a catchphrase now. Everybody's like love and acceptance. We got the bubble bath. We got the massage, you know, like that. I would love to hear how, what your perspective is, what true journey of self-love means to you. Cause it's always, a, it's so much more than the bubble baths and all that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so funny to me. And I don't even know where it comes from of how associated self-care or self-control or habit change is with like taking a bath. It's really interesting from the eating disordered world. There's this ridiculous thing that just comes up in traditional thinking. Like if you're craving this food, stop and go and take a bath. I'm like, this. First of all, that doesn't work. Second of all, it's like bathing all day is just not very functional. So side note, <laughs> but yes, uh, self-love. Now, there, it's fascinating to see how many of the self-care practices, especially as women, that we are taught that the actions that we're taking are actually to conform to a beauty standard that will then let us love ourselves. Self-care is like, well, I'm going to go and do this treatment on my face so that I'll have fewer wrinkles. That's oftentimes like a painful treatment. And there's, you know, I'm not saying there's any judgment around this. I'm just saying it's interesting to see how the things that are unpleasant, but lead to us conforming to some beauty standard are oftentimes marketed as this self. What I would say to that is that self-love is an unconditional love. Self-love is how much do you love yourself when you're at your worst? How much do you love yourself when you are having the hardest day? How much do you love yourself in those moments when you're having emotions that you have been taught are unacceptable emotions to have? And when we think about our relationship with someone else, it's not, yeah, I love you when you're at your best. It's, I love you. And that's the whole of it. And when we can have that self-love toward us, like that same sort of unconditional, like no matter what I've got you, I believe that that's true self-love. Yes, yes, yeah. And for me, it's the, I always think about it as my own love story to myself. I think when I, when I dance and sing along to songs, like love songs, I, I like, I sing it to myself. Like it's just, no matter what, the the highs and lows in betweens it's really building that unconditional love but trust trust in myself trust in the process trust in the unknown that's a trigger word for a lot of us for sure uh, so building this process of trust especially when you're working through something like distorted eating 
or trying to change a big belief system and that's been a part of you, how can we start to build that trust and and self-love? Because to me, they're kind of similar because we got to be able to, like in a relationship, you have to build that trust too, along with that love. Oh, absolutely. And that compassion for ourselves of letting ourselves have that time and space and opportunity to build that trust is really important because sometimes we'll put pressure on ourselves to just turn on a dime and be like, well, if I can't love myself right now or trust myself right now, you know, I've got to find some way to just instantly do it and make it click. But it really is a journey. Like it's a journey where you're building that trust. So, like you said, especially with something like disordered eating, Oftentimes, those aspects of our behavior, the things that we're struggling with that are holding us back from self-love or confidence or compassion are in this bubble of shame and secrecy. And so one of the first things that we can do, and we tell our stories, like Brene Brown says, you know, we tell our stories to those who have earned the right to hear our stories. But to find someone trusted in our life and to start sharing our stories, start sharing the real things that are happening in your life that you're struggling with and find out, build that trust with yourself that you didn't die from sharing, that you didn't get like laughed off of the planet or like shamed or like everyone left you because you are ashamed of some behavior that you're doing. And that's one reason the community is so important. It's really interesting to see with the people that we work with that we're the first people that they've ever told that they've been binging and purging or that they, you know, do this thing with food that they've never told anyone else. And it's so freeing even to just share that with one person that gets it. Because like I've I've been there, we've been there, like there's no judgment there. And to be able to share outside of that judgment and then to be in a community of a whole bunch of you know, accomplished, amazing, wonderful, lovable people that are all healing from the same thing and get it is a really big deal. So I would say start sharing your story, the one that you're scared to share with someone that you trust, with someone that you know will not judge you is a really, really good first step. Yes, that's so true. It's so liberating to just uh, let go of that shame. Like that secrecy, I, you know, part of my journey in a different way was heart, feeling how much I was holding on to that and finally letting it go. Like how on the other side of fear is everything we want. Like it just how, wow, that was all where, where my power was, was being able to be my true authentic self, no matter how it, it looks. And that for me really helped solidify all of these things like my thoughts create my reality um my body had a diagnosis and i was like what the f i'm doing all the work what's going on clearly there's something here that i need to work through and a lot of that was shame um along with a lot of other things but once i did it's like wow my literally my life changed like i moved across country manifested a new partner like everything just flipped upside down because I was willing to look at, okay, this big thing in my life that I don't want, but I have, to, I get to love, not have to love. I get to love. I get to grow from because the reason why I started this show, your body's not in the way, it's leading the way. And that's what I love what you are all about with the She Center, with helping women 
overcome and love and integrate that disordered eating aspects of their life. So I wanted to kind of dive into that because we mentioned a little bit and I know, I know from my personal experience, a lot of women, whether they speak about it or not, have at one point in their life worked through some sort of disordered eating. And it's not something to be ashamed about. It's something to really liberate you. And food, for me, it's been such a healing process. It changed my relationship with that. And so I'd love to hear more about your perspective on disordered eating. And then what's the flip side of what disordered eating is? Like what empowered eating? Like how do you look at this? Yeah. Oh, First of all, I just want to like honor you, Lauren. Like it's always such a really brave move to make that change and to trust yourself. And, you know, all of the everything flipped comes on the other side of really brave choices. So I just first want to like celebrate you and like honor that journey, which is a beautiful thing. And thank you so much for asking. There's so much that's misunderstood about eating disorders. Um, a lot of times we have a stereotype that it's something, you know, it's anorexic 14 year olds, and it equally impacts women of all sorts of different ages. So a UNC Chapel Hill study found that 75% of women struggle with disordered eating. That's three out of four women. And the really important part of how they conducted this study is they actually surveyed and asked about disordered eating behavior, not do you have an eating disorder? Because anytime you ask that, people are like, oh no, I don't have an eating disorder. I'm just a, I'm a yo-yo dieter or I'm such a sugar addict or you know what? Like, doesn't it, everyone does that every once in a while where you eat too much and then you want to get rid of it. Like we've normalized eating disorder behaviors that can be like lethal. Like when you purge your food, like you, there are three different ways that you can have instant death as a result. And people just really normalize these sorts of behaviors. So without like taking off the shame, but having the seriousness of what's happening, like really facing it is a important, important piece. Now we, it's a bit maddening that in the eating disordered, like industry, right? You know, there's a $78 billion diet industry. And so often the ways that people try to control their eating because they're like, I feel out of control with food. How do I control myself with food? Well, I'll try to give myself more rules or more restrictions and I need this diet. And that's what fuels the $78 billion diet industry. And you look and there are just so, there's so much noise out there about eating disorders or about your past trauma or a hormonal imbalance, or you don't have self-control or you need to like, and the truth is the number one reason of disordered eating is restrictive dieting. The number one reason. If none of us dieted, if none of us were trying to manipulate our bodies and force ourselves to be smaller, eating disorders would virtually disappear. Like that's how much of an indicator that is. So there are a couple of different aspects when we're getting free. The first is to be able to end the behavior now. And that goes back to our discussion about thoughts because our habits of thought lead to our action. So if you know how to have a pattern interrupt with the thoughts that lead to a behavior that's going to not be good for you, then you can end it in the moment where you literally don't have the desire to do that. This out of control, like I just have to eat it till it's gone. You can just interrupt that and that craving literally melts away. 
So that's step one is you've got to be able to end the behavior in the moment and then everything gets better because you've broken the cycle. You didn't binge, you know how to interrupt that. So now you don't feel the compulsion to restrict, to make up for the binge because the binge restrict cycle is what goes round and round and round. But then, and oftentimes this is the even deeper work because I mean, we've seen people in like three days be able to end their eating disorder behavior. Like when you know what works and you show up and you do it, like it's very, very effective. But then the deeper work is really looking at those internalized habits of thought that created that compulsion to restrict. The reasons why that, that internalized fat phobia, the reasons why we feel like we're not going to be okay unless we are this number on the scale. And ending disordered eating is one of the healthiest things that anyone can do that's in that struggle. One of the healthiest things that you can do and your body, your, your metabolism like fires up again and you like your body knows how to heal and it's a really beautiful thing, but to let go and to get the support for that transformation, to let go of that compulsion, to try to control everything and to make our bodies look exactly like we think will lead to that self-love, which spoiler alert, like no matter how thin you are, it doesn't equal self-love. Like that's just, that's not connected. Oftentimes it's like, you know, the self-love is you're farther away from that when you're trying to manipulate your body so much. So ending those habits of thought in the moment to end the behavior currently keeping the cycle from starting again by doing the work to be able to really change those underlying beliefs and then having that community and coaching so that you know how to do that so it lasts and it's permanent and you know you're not alone in it and you can be celebrating together with a community that's all getting free so is that a, does that make sense oh <laughs> yeah totally you? it's a beautiful overview <laughs> and I mean, food is just a disordered eating or food is just a way to dive into that self-love and dive into the spirituality or the, the self-help part of it. Um, is just think of it as a vehicle to get you there. You know, that from my perspective, God, your higher self, your inner being, whatever you want to call it, the universe is using something like this to get you to look at life differently, to look at yourself differently, to, to, to remember who you are. Because like you said earlier, Lydia, I couldn't agree more. We get, we get stuck on the loop of healing and, or from my perspective, you know, whether it's eating or emotions, working with women with their emotions, we can get stuck on binging emotions, like getting stuck in the victimhood or the depression or the anxiety and not actually do things differently because my belief is that all of this contrast, the stuff that we might not like that's uncomfortable emotionally, physically, other people is here guiding us to that bigger, I don't even say bigger, who we really are, who we really, really are. Um, I would love to hear your perspective on that because I, I, I mean, your perspective on disordered eating and, you know, your thoughts create reality, all these things. How do you feel about everything's happening for us, including this disordered eating? Yeah. It's, it's such a beautiful thing to look back and to see, and it's one of the hardest things to see it in the moment. <laughs> it's much easier to look back and see 
But even when I think of my own story, like what were the hardest things that ever happened to me? Being raised in a cult, being in an abusive marriage, having an eating disorder, and the result of those things, the person that I've had to become, the things I've had to develop, the people that I've met, the people that we've helped, you know, with the She Center, all of that has come from those things, some of the hardest things. And it seems dissonant and it's something that I feel like ongoing as we as we grow, we understand more and more. But that there are gifts that come from the hardest things in our life, some of the most beautiful gifts, but it doesn't mean that we need to have hard things happen to have those gifts. And it can be insensitive to ourselves and others to be like, oh, but like, aren't you grateful that all those horrible traumatic things happened? Because look at all these gifts. And it's like, actually, it wasn't the trauma that made you amazing and had all those gifts. It's how you showed up in the face of that trauma. It's you and it's your choices and it's your decision to be brave and courageous. And when we get to this wonderful point where we have those gifts that come from our trials and we have those gifts that come from choosing to move forward and become a higher version of ourselves without a really intense prompt for us to do that is a really good spot to be. So everything gets to be for us on both ends of the spectrum. I love that. Thank you for reminding us and pointing that out. It doesn't have to be that struggle. There doesn't have to be all the trauma and everything. Like life can be easy for us to grow and to remember who we really are. So thank you so much, Lydia, for that beautiful perspective. And it reminded me at the beginning of the show, you talked about changing your thoughts and the story you tell in the future currently, but also you're changing your past story or the thoughts that you thought that, well, how does doing this work actually change our past or our perspective on it? Yeah. Oh man. When I learned that there was no satanic cult, when I learned that I wasn't actually a victim of rape, or horrible abuse. When I believed that, my body felt that trauma. Like I used to cry myself to sleep with like shame and anger and sadness because I believed those things to be true. And it's interesting to see how even when we rewrite our stories and even when we become a different version of ourselves, there is a healing of the past where we need to go back where we get to <laughs> go back and tell our former selves a new version of the story. Go back and comfort and love ourselves and help our past selves have a different experience. Help our past selves see things from a more mature and developed standpoint with all the compassion toward what that person knew at that time. So there's this balance between knowing what we know now and going back and healing that past, but then also not having a coldness or a shame for how that person was in that moment, because you've got to think of who was I then and how did I respond? Like I, you know, I was a health coach that 
had this huge organization of 400 other coaches I was training and 8,000 clients. And we were all helping people to lose weight. And I know now that causes eating disorders. And it's been important for me to go back and own that I was making, I was doing damage in the world. I was hurting people. But I didn't know from my perspective then that I was hurting people. And to be able to take ownership and have compassion for both, I think is a really important part. And there's maybe this is a little more woo-woo or mystical than I quite can articulate now. I know it's like totally the place for it. But there is an interesting aspect of healing your past or having a conversation of the past self that really does change things now. Like there's this, you know, if we think of timeline as a made-up construct, you know, there is like this wholeness of who we are, that whether it's the past or future or present self, there is this up-leveling that happens when we have compassion anywhere in the timeline, if that makes sense. Or is, I mean, maybe that's like just a thing that you're used to hearing, but this is like- Yeah, for me, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, everyday life I tell myself that. Yeah, no, I think I've had experiences where, you know, when I was going through a dark night of the soul, you know, laying on the ground, sobbing, just not in a good circumstance in life, feeling like something was there or there was some tiny shift in me in that moment. And then later on, doing the healing work, I consciously multiple times would go back to that moment or just that version of me and send her love. And one day I realized, oh my God, I'm like, I'm getting full body chills. Like my third eye is like, whoa, um, that I, that was me, me and me together. And so you never know you're, go- you're going back to your past self. Well, think about your future self is coming back to you right now. Like think about that for a moment. So I totally on the same page as you. And it's like, in in my belief system, you know, if all possibilities exist in, in the field or, you know, just if we talk about time not existing, just tuning, going into the past and, and loving her, but also tuning into whatever potential, whatever version of you, you want to be. Like, I guess, I guess it's like going to the future and bringing it now. We're talking about the integration of the past, but that's almost like, all right, let's, let's, let's change my own reality. Who do I want to be in this new reality? I'd love to hear. I'm sure you have some things to say to that as well. I'd love to hear. (laughs) That's a really cool. Okay. So let's imagine this is all true. Let's just nerd out on this for a minute. One thing that has been. Oh man, thinking of that, Lauren, of that's that that was you, right? Like that was your future self coming to your past self. So many of the principles that we've developed, I mean, all of our principles are original principles that were created from my own experience, my own path. And it's interesting, like what Joe Dispenza teaches. I didn't know about Joe Dispenza until years into what I teach. And a fun little Joe Dispenza celebration. We have a client, I've been coaching her in our mastermind for years and she's just incredible. She's a health professional. Joe Dispenza just had a a health professional training. 17,000 health professionals applied 
and only 1%, 110 got in and she was selected because she's amazing. And she's like, was celebrating. She's like, it's because of who I've come, become through these principles. So she's in this like super high level training. And she's like, Lydia, I learned this stuff from you like years ago. Like, I'm like, oh, I didn't know there was so much overlap. So it's interesting to see that the principles that we learn, it's like there are these truths in the vortex, in the quantum field that we're able to access. And I'm thinking, for instance, the, the work that we do with emotions. There was one point in my life where I was just so incredibly in a very, very like dark place. And I was contemplating ending my life. And it was that dark. And there were these huge emotions that would come up that I thought would hurt me. But then I stopped caring about living. And so I just decided to let the emotions kill me. And I remember in that moment, let's just imagine for a moment, it was my future self coming to my past self. I had this knowing of just let yourself feel it fully, let it swallow you whole, let it wash over you, just completely surrender to it. And as I did, the emotions welled up, the emotions that I thought would like end me. And then they just moved out. And like, I know the emotional work now and the principles and the science and the neuroscience behind how that works. But back then I didn't know that there was a knowing in the moment that maybe for my future self <laughs> was me coming back and being like, actually you can let go. And that became such a foundation of what we teach around that emotional work. But that's, that is an interesting perspective. And yeah, yeah I like that. I love it too. Yeah. And I think bringing back to earlier part of the conversation, that's the intuitive knowing, like you said, but that's also like the rise of the feminine, the, 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 you know, the goddess Kali, like goddess of antiquity, I've always like the destroyer, but the birther of worlds, like we think that the emotions like are going to literally kill us or, you know, what we resist it so much because we shouldn't be feeling this way. We shouldn't be feeling this anger or the shame or fill in the blank. But when we just feel it, it's so simple, so simple, like too simple. That's kind of been part of my journey. There's got to be something more than just feeling it. Like you can, there's all these tricks and tools and processes, right? But the intuitive knowing of allowing that to wash away, wash through you. And like, yes, a part of you, you know, I think when we truly feel in our present what's coming up, part of you does actually die because we're letting go of that belief, that feeling, that energetic system in our bodies and in our fields. And then we can allow, think, just thinking about, I mean, this might show my age, like in the, you know, when computers back in the day, you had to defrag like the, the hard drive. There was all this like unused space where you had to like, I'm a nerd too. So maybe people don't relate to this, but well, basically. I, I'm right with you. I, I remember <laughs> defrag. I still use that as a term of like, I just got to defrag. <laughs> like I use that for myself. And that's what I'm, me too. And I'm like, that's what we do when we're feeling these emotions. Like everyday life is our initiation into that higher version of ourselves. We don't need to go to the retreats and all this stuff. Like 
for me, it's really been just feeling what's coming up. And that's the rights of the feminine, not only in women, but in men, everybody. And there's so much power. That is our life force energy, those those emotions. And I mean, I could speak for hours and hours on this. But Lydia, was there anything else on your heart today that you wanted to wrap up or speak about before we start to close the show down? Because we're gonna we, we could just record like 10 more episodes. I could feel it if we kept going. <laughs> We totally could. This would be like a whole series. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, I I have brought a gift, and I yeah. will I will share that. I because I always want to give someone a place to start, a place to take that first step. So we do have a link, especially for your community, Lauren, and that is just podcast dot dot org forward slash witchy wellness, all lowercase. And right there, we have some really fun resources. There's a quiz that you can take to find your relationship status with food, which is a very fun place to start to really see what those next steps are for you. And there's a whole customized report that comes for you specifically what you need. We have some other really amazing resources there. We're going to have um, a free download of our newest book there pretty soon about leadership and in this rise of the feminine and all of the beautiful principles that go in with that. So I wanted to especially gift that to you guys of podcast.theshecenter.org forward slash witchy wellness. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lydia. I will have that in the show notes, but thank you so much just for being you, for for becoming aware of those beliefs in you and taking those leaps big and small to to own who you are, to heal the past, to heal the present you, and to embody that future leader, current leader, more and more and more and more over and over again. So thank you for for coming on here and sharing that wisdom and your heart with us today. How may we as the listeners, as a huge act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today, Lydia? Oh, I love that, Lauren. Thank you. Something that we are enjoying so much recently is impacting communities, especially when we work with companies. Like we'll go into a company and we will either, you know, I'll start with a keynote speech with them or we'll do a workshop. We do these incredible certifications and it's about the education that we should have had. It's about learning how to process emotions, about learning that compassionate and powerful communication and setting boundaries and, you know, all of those pieces that really make a community great. And so my ask is that for whoever is listening, if you're either part of a company or you know a company that's really aligned with these principles of this rise of the new leadership, of the compassion, of the evolution and the rays of consciousness that our world is in, we would love, you can just email us, you just reach out, you know, send us a message on social media. Let us know that there is a community that would be amazing to partner with us and for us to partner with. And that would be such a fun connection. And I think that would be a beautiful thing that's on my heart right now. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Paying, paying it forward. That was my inspiration for that question of just raising the consciousness and just you know, giving, giving that love away, giving it away and sharing it with the rest of humanity. And thank you again for coming on. It was such an honor to share this space and dive into the 
the ethers with you today and nerd out a bit as well. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and for being so, so fun and profound and awesome. And it's been an absolute joy. So.